Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Looking good, looking good. Like you know we should. Looking good today. You're listening to the Iron Mike Keenan Podcast. We're the five going strong. Welcome to the Iron Mike Keenan Podcast, episode number five. Scott Morrison along with the coach, Iron Mike. And how are we doing? Excellent. Uh, enjoying the winter in, in Canada, uh, particularly at the cottage going north, uh, seeing a, an abundance of snow, which you don't see in Florida. And you were out west I was skiing? out west skiing. And unfortunately, tell us what happened there. Unfortunately, uh, broke my ribs on a, on a chairlift accident. The chair came around... Uh, with my grandson and daughters skiing in in uh, Norquay in Banff, and then the chair comes around and s- hits me in the ribs and breaks my ribs. So, as my grandson said, uh, uh, Connor, he said, "Well, it could have been on the first run of the first days to the last run on the last days." And I said, "You're right." So he he felt badly, but he said, "At least we got our skiing in." <laughs> glass half full exactly so we're playing hurt today but we it, are but, but we're not injured that's what i was going to say our good friend jay greenberg who you're with whom you're writing the book, the, book yes. the iron mike book reminded me i had to tell you that you're hurt not injured exactly. now that's been your mantra explain what that means well that means that uh, uh there's a lot of injuries and a lot of people get hurt in the game of hockey particularly when it's a physical uh contest and and what I used to tell them is that uh, you may be bruised and you're hurt but you're not injured if you're injured that means the doctor's got to come and tell me you can't play so otherwise suit up and get out there iron Mike at his finest so last episode we talked about trades we were on the heels of the trade deadline but we talked about some of the major major deals you were involved in as a general manager not all of them deadline deals obviously but some huge names uh controversial trades at the time uh we talked about you moving dennis savard from chicago to montreal a franchise for, favorite in chicago yeah for chris chelios and uh, i was booed for a good month after that when we started the season but when they realized how good chris chelios was uh and the, as i said uh Earlier, the the whole culture of the team changed with the acquisition of Chris Chelios. So, and you had it, Jeremy Roenick a while, and waiting Jeremy in the Roenick to, to play center in the number one line with uh, Goulet and Larmer. And then we talked about you moved again in Chicago, Dominic Hoshik yes. to the Buffalo Sabers. Yes, that was a huge trade, but that was because uh, we were forced to protect the goaltending situation with expansion. Uh, with expansion. Yes. So you had Eddie Belfour. And Eddie and Dominic, so we had to pick one or the other. And Buffalo, which and, I didn't and, know, ultimately put Hoshik on waivers. Yes, they did. And uh, I claimed it, but the NHL says, oh, you can't claim him because you're the one that sent him there. <laughs> so uh, crazy rules at the time. And uh, as a result, uh, he ends up winning the Hart Trophy in Buffalo. So uh, yeah, things he had out. a really unorthodox style, though, and I, I think that's why... 
when he first came into the league, he was flopping all over. Well, it turned out to be magical for him and, and for the team, but it was something that was very unusual to begin with. And then the other trade we mentioned, well, you picked up Gretzky, which uh, yes, a was one. a good find right there from L.A. And then the other one is you moved Brendan Shanahan, ultimately for Chris Pronger, but that was inspired by the bean counters. Exactly. And in uh, St. Louis. The, uh, they they uh, came to the conclusion they couldn't afford these players, Shanahan, Hull, and McGinnis, and I said there's going to be a problem with the fan base. And, of course, I said the easiest the trade would be uh, Brendan because he was the youngest, and we got Pronger who was seven years younger than than Shanny, and uh, turned out to be a magical trade as well. As as you know, Chris Pronger wins the Hart Trophy, yeah, in the St. Louis Blues uniform. So, so one more big name we didn't touch on, but we'll talk about today in episode five. Was you're in Vancouver, coaching. And ultimately had a hand in trading a very popular player, Trevor Linden. I was kind of the pseudo general manager. There was no general manager at the time they hired me. So how did you and, get to Vancouver? And I got to Vancouver uh, via Marc Messier. Marc Messier uh, went to the owner uh, and John McCaw. John McCaw owned uh, the hockey team based out of Seattle. And, and it was an interesting uh, conversation uh, Stan McCammon was uh, kind of the president, but John was the owner. And and uh, uh, Mark went to went to John and said, uh, "I'd like Mike Keenan to coach this team." And I flew to Seattle. I went out to dinner with John. He said, "This is the worst negotiations I've ever been in before. You are the coach. How much money would you like? And what's the term?" So. It's the first time. I mean, thank you, Mark. Uh, where I'm in a negotiation with the owner says, uh, "Tell me what you want. I have to pay you because I've already told Mark you're going to coach." Knowing you and your agent Rob Campbell, I can Rob only imagine. Was it, Rob was. <laughs> didn't he get involved? Because I was kind of surprised when I go to dinner. I thought I was going to be interviewed and we'll talk about uh, the possibility of coaching. He says, "No." Right from the beginning of, of the uh, dinner, you are the coach. How much money would you like, and what's the term? So, I gave him a number, and the, the term was three years. And he said, "Okay, good. Let's have something to eat." And that was the end of the negotiation. So but you replaced Tom, Tom Rennie. T- Tom Rennie was coaching, and uh, I replaced Tom. And then there was no manager, uh, and I thought Pat Quinn had been Pat previously. Quinn had been there, and Pat was very loyal to his players. And I thought that. Uh, to a point where he, he overextended some of their uh, their lifetime a, as Vancouver Canucks. Um, they had gone to the finals, obviously, with Pat. And uh, Pat was a very loyal individual. Uh, as I said, to, to in my opinion, to a little bit to a fault. Uh, you can't hang on to the players forever. And so the, 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 the gist of it whole the thing was that there was a conflict in the room or the divide in the room uh, between the leadership and that leadership was Trevor Lynn and Marc Messier and there was time for a change in the locker room and a very unpopular trade as well when uh, I decided with the coaches Stan Smith, Glenn Hanlon and some scouts Mike Penny was there and other scouts well, just and, before you go into that part, um, 
I think Trevor was had been the captain, and he yes. gave the C to Mark at the start of that season. I don't know what transferred there or transpired because it was before I got there, but Mark was the captain, and then there was, as I said, a divide. And to a certain extent, the the players that were there before with Pat and Trevor, and then a new group of players that were brought in with Mark, and uh, we decided as a kind of managerial group because there was no GM. Uh, I was given the authority to make trades. So it was you and, and your coaching staff? Myself and uh, Mike Penny and some scouts. Uh, 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 Steve Tambellini was supposed to be a part of it, but he stepped away from this decision because he didn't think it was going to be very popular, and he was correct. Uh, but the acquisition of uh, Bertuzzi and McCabe and a third-round pick that turned out to be Rutu, uh, I made with uh, uh, with the Islanders. And, uh, Mike Milbury. Mike Milbury was the general manager of the Islanders at the time, and he really wanted Trevor. Uh, he felt that their team needed the leadership and the experience that Trevor could bring to that group, and we made the trade. And then that trade uh, obviously changed the face of the franchise, uh, Trevor Linden going out, who was a very popular player in Vancouver. And uh, after that trade, uh, uh, we went on, and then Brian Burke was hired. Uh, <laughs> Brian Burke then fires me. Yeah, well, bring, just, we'll get to that in, in Mark, a second. Mark Crawford, so... Because that uh, deal ultimately led to Domino's effect over the years, and we'll, we'll walk yeah. through that. But I just want to get back to the Trevor trade at the time. It was in February, early February of uh, 1998. Yes. Uh, so what was the immediate fallout when you announced that deal? Well, the fan base were, I think, a little bit shocked because who's who's Bertuzzi? Who's McCabe? I mean, they're, they're on, out in the island. They're, they're out in the Far East, and they're not paying attention to these people. And, and uh, certainly we felt they were good players, solid players. Uh, to come into our group and, and be part of our team. Uh, you know, Bertuzzi was a big man, huge physical presence, and McCabe was a big man as well. Uh, so I think they were a little bit shocked, um, surprised, uh, and maybe even Trevor was surprised because he probably thought he was going to be there forever, uh, which is quite... Uh, Feasible in terms of his view of things, and and it turned out that it was a it was a necessary trade, I think, because of the divide in the room and the culture of the team had to be changed. And there were reports at the time that the relationship between you and Trevor wasn't good. Well, you had I, a shouting match between periods in a game when he. I think that uh, uh, there was an expectation I had of him, and. Um, Again, I don't know how comfortable the room was at that point with with the presence of Mark in the room, which had changed the franchise. I mean, Trevor was the, the number one guy in the team. Because he was huge in that 94 series against your Rangers. Absolutely, and he was a good player. But when Mark comes in, they acquired Mark Messier. So now the, the, the dynamics involved in the room, the dynamics of the team building had changed completely. So there had to be a, a selection. And of course, uh, Mark was the fellow that brought me in. So I had 
had a lot of experience with Mark Canada Cups and the New York Rangers. So uh, I was going to go with the man that uh, won and uh, did win with me. So uh, that made a difference in the locker room as well. Vancouver wasn't a good stop for Mess, though, was it? Looking back. Overall, I don't think it was. Uh, it didn't turn out to be. Um, not as, as, as it was, for example, in New York and obviously Edmonton. Uh, but the, the team was in that transition of change and it wasn't ready to win. But we had some great players there, too. I mean, superstar Russians in Pavel Burry and Alex McGillney. I mean, those people were legitimate superstars. And the, we'll get into another time when another player hired me, and that was Pavel Burry. In so Florida. in Florida, so I was hired because of two players in two different cities uh, that wanted my and encouraged the owners, or basically told the owners, "This is my coach." And Pavel did that in, in Florida. Mark did that in in Vancouver. So looking back, Trevor was struggling a bit that season. Maybe the circumstances didn't help. But looking back at that deal, do it again. I would do it again for sure, and. Uh, we had the presence of, as I said, Bertuzzi. Look what Bertuzzi meant to that franchise after, as we go through the genesis of the Sedins end up coming there and then getting involved. And, and uh, uh, he was a, a big player for them, and so was McCabe. So uh, as it turned out, uh, they were used also to in the transition uh, to fortify the franchise, and that turned out to be the Sedin brothers. Right. So there was a funny quote at the time, Milbury, never a, a shrinking violet, as they no. say. And He's a good man. He's a good yeah. man. I liked uh, working with him and had uh, a lot of conversations with Mike Milbury because he, 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 at the time, there was this kind of myth about Mike Keenan, and he says, look at Mike, I'm not afraid of you at all. I actually played against him in NCAA hockey. He was at Colgate. I was at St. Lawrence. So um, we had a lot of history went way back but anyway Mike was very outspoken well the funny line was somebody said to him that Keenan was critical of uh, Trevor Linden and Mike's line was uh, Mike Milbury's line was quote he's pretty critical of his own mother (laughs) (laughs) well uh, I wouldn't go that far but uh, again that was a a media built reputation and it it just got uh, uh, bigger and bigger, and it snowballed in terms of everything I did. I was under the microscope. Uh, everything I did in terms of coaching style or any moves I made as a manager, it was always the, some controversy about it and discussion about it. So that was a good example of uh, of uh, uh, Michael trying to protect Trevor because now he acquired him, and then of course he had to come up with uh, a, uh, a position with Trevor that this is my franchise player now. So he gave up a lot to get him, and, and it didn't work out for him either. Yeah, Brian McCabe, 22 at the time, Todd Bertuzzi, 23, and as you mentioned, Yarko Rutu was, right. was the third-round pick yes. ultimately. So a pretty significant return. Um, okay, we talked about the sort of the, the tree with that deal and how it unfolded as the years went on and had a significant impact. You could never have predicted it at the time, obviously, but had a significant impact on 
the future of that Vancouver franchise and, and how it evolved. Well, it shaped the franchise with those two, with the twins. I mean, they're exceptional players and, and were the face of the franchise for years. And that's how it all came about. Brian Burke did a lot of work to set that up after. So the background there to start it was Burke traded McCabe in a conditional first yes. to Chicago for the fourth overall pick. And then I think Vancouver had the third pick that year. And then he traded that pick to Tampa Bay with two thirds for the first overall pick in the draft. Uh, and then sent that pick to Atlanta for the second overall, and that's how so he, he had the, second and third with the promise that they would not draft the Sedins. Exactly, and Daniel, and then Henry. That, that's how that's how that was all shaped up. But the genesis, the beginning of it, was the trading of Trevor Linden, and that's how it was set up. As you said, nobody would predict that that was going to happen, but Brian uh, did a good job. Uh, you know, I had uh, a f- that was a lot of maneuvering. It was. He did a good job in, in terms of setting it up for the franchise, and and uh, he he had the assets to work with. He also had traded Pavel Burry to Florida, so um, you know I, I he fired me, and it was a not a he didn't fire me in a proper way. He had the our. Uh, it was during the All Star break. It was, and the Friday night I was uh, up in Whistler for a respite to get away for a few days and I got a, a midnight call from uh, our public relations director and uh, he said Mike I just want to give you a heads up but you, you, you've been fired so Brian didn't call me till Sunday that was Friday I thought the call in the middle of the night was because my father-in-law at the time was ill and I thought something happened and I was nervous that, that uh, a late call like that was coming through, but uh, uh, yeah, he uh, he didn't do it, handle it properly, and having the public relations director. So I called Stan McCammon the next morning, who was in charge, and he said he didn't know anything about it. Whether he did or didn't, I don't know for sure, but uh, he said I'm gonna I'll get a hold of Brian and find out what's going on. But uh, it had already been leaked and it was already written up and. You might remember in the Vancouver paper that I'd been dismissed. So, um, uh, poor firing. I, you know, it's not it's not nice to get fired, but the managers should have the the courtesy to tell you to your face. And Brian, unfortunately, didn't. So, you mentioned uh, ultimately. You know, obviously, that Pavel Burry got traded to Florida and yes. then he got you to Florida. So tell us that story because there's another trade you made that impacted on Vancouver's future. Right, and that, that was Luongo. So I, I uh, got a call and uh, uh, Dwayne Sutter was coaching at the time and Pavel went to the owner, uh, Alan Cohen, and said, I want Mike Keenan to coach this team. And uh, I don't know if anybody would ever have known this or this will be the first time I ever tell a story, but I, I flew to Florida. I was interviewed by the ownership group, Alan Cohn, who was the majority owner. And that was my first time I'd gone to Florida. Heizinga flew me into to interview me to run the Wayne franchise. Wayne Heizinga, who was the original right owner. The, yes. 
So this is my second go around. I I turned that down. So he down. wended wing when they started. When they started, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was an interesting thing. I, I flew in business class, and then he had a helicopter pick me up at the airport, flew me to the top of his his business building downtown Fort Lauderdale. I go down the stairs from the helicopter into Wayne's office. We'd have a chat. He uh, uh, wants me to to run the team, and I decided to go somewhere else at the time. Uh, but Pavel now brings me in, and Pavel's in the penthouse in South Beach. So I'm waiting for the decision. So Pavel said, you come and live with me. So I'm living with the superstar player. Nobody knows this. And the massage therapist, also a Russian, is sitting there. And I'm at the computer in Pavel's apartment. And Pavel's downstairs working out. He worked out every day. People don't know this. Pavel Burberry worked out every day before dinner, after practice. So he worked twice a day, practice, and then before dinner, he'd go and work out, ride the bike, gym, and then we'd have dinner, and, and then he'd, we'd watch hockey. So I'm there, and the massage therapist is there, and uh, he s- says to Pavel, Who, who's this guy? He, d- he doesn't recognize me. And Pavel said, well, he's just a, compu- a computer expert. He's fixing my computer. So two days later, after the decision was made by the owners, and, and I go through the negotiations of, coming up the number and how much I'm gonna get paid in the term. And then I walk into the locker room as the coach and the and the massage service, Mr. Computer Man, I didn't know you were a computer man. So he didn't know who Mike Kena was. Uh, and we laugh about it even today with Pavel. Uh, so it's uh, it was a, a fun story, but I was living with the, with the star player until I got organized in my own living conditions and apartment. So how well did you know Pavel prior to that? You well, I coached him. too too long. I coached him in in uh, Vancouver, but he yeah. he really uh, I tell you a story about my first game I ever coached in Vancouver. So I'm in the locker room and we're going through we're having the meeting. It's it's you know, five thirty or six o'clock, an hour and a half before the game, and uh, Pavel's not there. So I get a rushed memo from from one of the trainers that said Pavel's stuck in traffic and he can't he's not going to be able to make the meeting so I went in to the team and I said no matter what no one tells the media or any single person outside this room that Pavel Burry missed the meeting if you do you're going to be gone and to that day I said Pavel no problem uh, I understand that happens, so let's get ready to play and away we go. I also made a deal with Pavel uh, because he had a huge bonus for f- 50 goals and escalated on goal scoring. So I made a deal with him. I said, Pavel, this is the way we want to play. You play defense for us. You play, and I'm, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you run out in that neutral zone when we get the puck because you're back in the defenseman off because they're afraid they're looking around where is he but I said but the minute if we can't make the playoffs I'll double shift you and make sure you get your bonus and he did <laughs> so I, I don't well, know I, I built a great relationship with Pavel and still great friends today uh, after he brought me to and then then 
the story continues. So I go to to uh, Florida. I'm coaching Florida. Pavel, the owner, comes in and says, we've got to get rid of Pavel. I said, Alan, you told me that the, the budget's going to be $65 million. Now you're telling me all in, including the minor league, it's going to be $30 million. Get rid of Pavel. So Pavel goes off to New York. Pavel's up with New York, and they got Trevor Linden, Yammer Yager, Mark Messi, Pavel Burry, all these superstars. I get a call from New York in my office, and the owner spent a lot of time in my office. He didn't know what to do with himself. He was kind of sort of semi-retired young guy. And the phone rings, I pick it up. It's the New York Rangers. Can you come and coach? And the, I was like kind of flabbergasted a bit because the owner's sitting there, and this is a, you know, a call that shouldn't be made. Should be made to the owner. Can we have permission to talk to Mike? <laughs> but uh, they they call me, and Glenn Sather was the manager. And uh, um, I hung up the phone. He said uh, that was New York, wasn't? It? And they want you to go. He's. I said yes. He said, "You're not going anywhere. I'm going to extend your contract." I said, "But Alan, the budget here is so reduced from what you told me it was going to be. That was part of the discussion when I first went there. When Pavel had me come in, I said." You know, what is the budget going to be? Because that's important in terms of where I was with my career. If it's $65 million at that time, that would have been aces, you know, right at the top. And it comes in and says, it's now $30 million. Get rid of Powell. I said, he's the best player by a country mile. There's nobody even compares to, to him. And then we end up hiring a whole pile of people that were making an insignificant amount of money that mostly were Europeans just coming over and it was a disaster. So, but that was the Pavel Murray and then the Luongo. So we're getting so, around. Okay, so now you trade Luongo no. to so, Vancouver. So the, how that happened was uh, we hadn't made the playoffs and they'd never had made the playoffs for several years and, and uh, uh, Luongo wanted uh, $7 million a year for five years. And uh, Lupium was his agent. And Alan Cohen said, no, I'll give you $30 million for five years, and you take the tax implications in Florida. It's like another $600,000 per year. And that's what I'm going to give you. And so Lupian uh, and Roberto went to see the owner, and they went above my head, and that was no big deal. Uh, I said, well, if you can get the owner to give you the money, then go ahead. So they set up a meeting, and then they had the meeting. The owner for me said, this is the bottom line. That's what I'm going to give him. And if he won't take it, then trade him. So I called Lupian up, and I also told Roberto. I said, Roberto, this is the bottom line. That's what you're going to get. So do the math. And, you know, you go 600 times 5, and then you get the thirty million on top of that. So that's, and I said, give the guy a break. We have met, made the playoffs. He he's got any income from playoff revenue at all. And Roberto said, no, we want seven million. I said, well, I have to trade you. I've been ordered to trade you. And they never thought that I would trade him. Lupian and Roberto never thought that would come to to be. So. As it turns out, I negotiated a, a deal with Dave Nonis, 
uh, who was the manager now in Vancouver. I phone up Roberto, I tell him he's in shock. I said, Roberto, I told you that I had, I was given orders to trade you if you don't take this deal. And you wouldn't take it, and now you're traded. So now do the math, pay 50% taxes or 52% taxes in British Columbia, and get your $7 million a year, and then do the math compared to what you're going to do in, get in Florida. And like, oh my goodness. So like these crazy things that happen to managers sometimes behind the scenes, but the players don't buy in the, and, and the agent should have been wiser as well to understand what was going on. And, and I said, look, that's a great offer. The man has never had income for a playoff game yet. Next contract, make sure we make the playoffs, and then you go in and ask for whatever you want. But no, so that's how he got to Vancouver. So that deal was Luongo and defenseman Lucas Krychek, yes. a sixth-round pick for Bertuzzi. One more time, you right. pick up Todd. Uh, goalie Alex Ald and a conditional pick. Right. So obviously you were a big fan of Bertuzzi. I was. I really liked Bertuzzi and what he brought. To the, you know, we had a couple of guys. With, Brad May was there too, and, and uh, he was an impact player. And they, they, they were real competitive guys that I liked. And uh, of course, then Pavel. But uh, you know all these all, the, all these things that happen, the dynamics that people don't know about. And you bring the best player, brings you in there, and your coach, and there's a promise is going to be sixty-five million dollar budget, and all of a sudden it's thirty million, and it's all in, and so the the whole dynamics can change quickly on you. And it's so fast in your seat belts because you never know what's going to happen from time to time. I don't know what the climate's like now, the environment, but these owners are very wealthy and the cap is very high. Uh, probably most teams are close to it. But uh, the still dynamic, a few teams that trade for salaries to right, fill up, to get to the bottom. To get to the bottom, yes, they, they do. So it's, it's uh, it, the, the salary cap impacts the process of building a team very much today. But that's another example mm-hmm. of, of uh, also the dynamics of ownership involved, and and uh, they just the player and the agent just didn't believe that it was going to happen, and it did. So there you have it: Trevor Linden trade, Pavel Bure trade, Roberto Luongo trade. Three more huge names to add to the yes. list. So, and I'm sure we'll stumble across some others as we well. There go there along. a few others that I can reflect upon, and and uh, uh, you know. People perceive me only as coaching. They don't remember me being involved in all these uh, trades uh, that took place in various franchises. All righty, so that's it for episode number five. And uh, a little tease that uh, episode six, we're going to talk about goaltenders. <laughs> you had your moments with goaltenders, Captain Hook. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you.